tonight on the big picture Bible study it is the story of Noah we're gonna finish it up tonight we've been going to some deep stuff I say we're gonna finish it there's so much stuff there we may not be able to finish it it is the year of the open doors so there may be more open doors but tonight we're gonna to ask the question was Noah perfect well we're gonna read a scripture that says that he was but you got to understand in context what that means and you need to know what the Noah covenant is because without the Noah covenant you can't fully understand the days of Noah that Jesus prophesied would be in the last days. Let's get into this Bible study night. All right, everybody, good to see everybody here tonight on the Bible study. I'm your host, Larry Ragnar. If you're brand new to the show, just happen to find us here today, uh, whether it's be on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, X. This is the only night that we, we broadcast on every one of those platforms. Everything else is either all exclusively YouTube or basically YouTube and Rumble. So right off the bat, if you do not follow us on Rumble, you need to go there, rumble.com slash Larry Raglan. Follow us there, rumble.com slash Larry Raglan. And I'm going to tell you why it's so important, because it is many, many signs are coming to me. Um, it's sort of giving me a feeling that uh, it ain't going to be, as we get into the chaos and the craziness of this year, and all the election and all the other stuff that we're going to have to comment on here, most of our controversial stuff will probably have to move to Rumble. So we need to really build that up. Uh, at the time of this recording, we've got about 6,400 subscribers on YouTube and about 800 on Rumble. We need as many people that's watching YouTube as possible. Don't take for granted. You say, well, that's just too many things for me to, to, to be a part of. I get it. I get it, okay? I wish everything could just be on one platform but I'm telling you, they're getting ready to censor. They're getting ready to shut some things down. So we really, really, really need to get uh, a backup, more than a backup, a place of free speech. So everybody that's watching us tonight, if you haven't done it, make sure you go to rumble.com slash Larry Raglan and follow us. Tonight's topic is, was Noah perfect? Okay. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to make sure everybody knows that all you got to do is to be a partner with us and to help us out, keep us going, uh, and connect further with us is go to LarryRaglan.com. When you go to LarryRaglan.com, you'll see you'll get the top six most recent YouTube videos there and, of course, access to all of them. And if you want to become a partner, you can just uh, click there and you'll see our address that you can send your gifts to. A couple of you have had them come back to you. I don't know what's going on with my post office, but that is the address there. Uh, if you'd like to make a one-time gift online, you can, or you can become a monthly partner. We have three or four different ways that you can join. And Epic, the Epic Times, uh, some of you follow them for your news. And by the way, it's not called the Epoch Times. It's called the Epoch Times. I had to learn that myself, but I am a contributing author to the Epoch Times. And uh, as you can see here, I've got a couple of submissions there, videos and articles there where you can follow us there. Make sure you, if you go there, that you like those and that you uh, share them and make a comment there on their site. Let let them know that you appreciate them. You can also go and watch the first uh, series, the first season of our television program, thirteen episodes. Get a copy of our latest book. I see greatness in you. Uh, many of you have already read it. If you have read our book, go to Amazon please and leave us a review. If you haven't already done that, the more five star reviews we get, the better it will be, and the more it will be put in front of people. We got merchandise. I see greatness in you merchandise as well as awake, not woke. We ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. We have all of that there in all the different ways. I got to update that. It says Twitter. I need to change that to X. <laughs> so, all right, y'all ready to get in some word tonight? Uh, I know I'm ready. Uh, and so share this broadcast and um, let's build this big picture audience. All right, so tonight, as I said, tonight's topic is, was Noah perfect? And of course, well, I think we all understand the answer to that question is no in the sense of how we define perfect. But we are going to show what the Word of God says tonight. Smash that like button right now. Go ahead and get that out of the way. And if you're brand new to our channel, subscribe. 
And uh, and then we, you ain't got to worry about it. You can just go ahead and enjoy it tonight. And every time you hear somebody say smash the like button, you say, I already done that. I already did it. She did it, did it, did it. Okay, so we are in the year 5784 on the Jewish calendar. We've been covering that on Wednesday Night Bible Studies, which is the year of the open door. 5784 means the year of the open door. Of course, we are in the year 2024 at the time of this recording on the Gregorian calendar, which is the fancy name for the calendar that everybody uses. It's got 365 days in it. Uh, and we are in the year 2024. That's very important, very key. And you get this deep in your spirit. 24 uh, is representative of the priesthood. That number represents the priesthood. It's always been associated with the priesthood. The word lamb that we understand uh, in the word of God is the lamb of God is mentioned 24 times in the book of Revelation. And there's 24 elders that surround the throne. So 24 is a number that's very, very significant to God. And in God's infinite wisdom, he knew that in the end times, in the final generation, that we would be a generation that had a Bible in our hands that was translated into our languages in chapter and verse. Even though in the time of the writing of these letters, there was no chapter and verse, it was a flowing letter. In God's infinite wisdom, and in my words that I invented here, his alpha and omegaism, come on, y'all know, y'all know I made some words up. Uh, but uh, he knew, he knew in his infinite wisdom, he knew that when that we would be reading Matthew 24, and Matthew 24 would be a literal landmark chapter in understanding the days and the times in which we live. So we have said a few things about 24 and Matthew 24, and we'll go back to Matthew 24 in just a moment for us to fully understand what we're talking about, about Noah in the days of Noah. Uh, but, you know, 24, people make fun of the preachers that try to rhyme words and stuff, but this one was just too easy, okay? 24 is just a lot of words that rhyme with four. So, but it's more than that. Oh, it's more than 24, and it's more than you can just rhyme with 24. It, it really is these words that people are getting about 24 are really happening and beginning to happen in this year. So some, what are some of those words? War in 24. Many people are saying they feel like this will be a year of war. I am one of them. I, I started back in June of last year, made a show uh, where we said we will be at war in the natural with China in 2024. Uh, who knew that we would be also in the Middle Eastern war and so forth? But it is a war. It's a spiritual war. It's also a physical war. This will be a year of roar in 24 with the body of Christ. Those that uh, imitate the line of the tribe of Judah will roar with a mighty praise. It will be a year of more. We're believing God for more favor, more blessings, uh, more anointing. But it's also going to be a year of more attacks, more demonic activity. We're going to get into that in just a minute. And then finally, it will be the year of doors. And, and it is the year of the open door, which is what 5784 is. But that's my word for the year that God gave me a while back, that this is a year of doors. God said, I'll open doors that no man can shut, and I'll shut doors that no man can open. Can I get somebody to give me an amen, hands up, fist bump, or something in the live chat or in the comment section below. If you're watching on Facebook, give me some love, give me some love, comment. Nothing helps us more on Facebook than to make it a heart, give us a heart, comment and share, react, comment and share. When you do those things, those are what help us in the algorithm. All right. So let's get into uh, Matthew chapter 24. This is a Bible study after all. And uh, let's get into it and let's set the stage for this study tonight. Okay. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 Jesus is responding. This is a, an entire chapter. It's towards the end of the chapter. The chapter begins with his disciples saying, tell us, Master, what shall be the sign of the end times and what will be the evidence that this is the end of days, the end of this age, and that you'll return? So he went through wars, rumors of wars, and all this. But as you keep going into the chapter, chapter 24, you get to verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, now listen, you got to break down every word here because Jesus was very, very intentional with what he said. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 38. 
For as in the days before, that's a, that's a word right there that you need to key in on, as in the days before the flood, okay? That's key. Then the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding in the, at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, that you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that it, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, therefore... You are supposed to be ready as well. How can you be ready? Well, there's all kinds of things in Scripture that tells us how to be ready. One of those is, you know, it says, you know, you'll see earthquakes, you'll see wars, you'll see rumors, you'll see pestilence, you'll see signs in the heaven and the earth beneath. There's all kinds of things that you can see that you can read the signs that we are the final generation. But it's more than that. He said, of all the things, y'all, come on. Now, this is, this is deep here. This is powerful. Y'all make sure y'all share this and invite people to join this. Facebook, show me some love. I ain't seen no love out there from Facebook. But of all the people, of all the characters of the Old Testament that Jesus could have pulled from, he pulled from Noah. He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, just think about it. That's huge. And let me tell you something, he's very intentional. God has never said a word just by coincidence. Nothing has ever caught God off guard or surprised God in the sense that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was and is and is to come. So when he said, as in the days of Noah were, before he entered the ark, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So I think it's very important for us to go back and read that. Genesis chapter 6, this is the days of Noah. Understand, before he entered the ark. We're going to come back in just a minute, and we're going to cover what happened after. It's very, very interesting that there is a before flood, and there's an after flood talk of Noah. Now it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born of them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives to themselves for all they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There will be giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, and also afterward in the days before the flood, and also after the flood. Okay? We covered that last week. I think most people on here that watch the Bible study on the big picture, understand where I'm going. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every ten of the, uh, ten of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made man, made them. Verse eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's huge. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, comma, there it is, perfect in his generations. So the question that we ask at the top of the show, and is the thumbnail, was Noah perfect? Well, the answer is a loaded answer to a loaded question. Perfect in the sense that he had no sin nature? Of course not. But Let's look at right there what the word says. It's right there on your screen. This is the this is part important. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now I'm coming back to that, but I want you to understand. Was Noah perfect? No. Not in the sense of how we would define perfect and without sin in the, in the example of Jesus 
And quite frankly, this is a deep teaching here, but even in the example of Adam when he was first created, not when he died, not after he fell, but when he was created, he was created in the image of God. And there was no such thing as sin, cursed flesh. So he was perfect. So man was perfect when he was first created. He didn't end perfect. Jesus was perfect from the beginning to the end. So no, Noah was not perfect in that sense. But when it come to his genealogy, Noah was perfect. What does that mean? That means, now you got to understand, in the days of Noah before the flood, the sons of God, the angels, the fallen angels, looked upon the daughters of men and had relations with them, created hybrid weird kids from them that became known as the giants or the Nephilim. Nephilim is not this new famous word that you hear YouTube influencers use. It's a word that's been around since the word of God was written. All it is is the Hebrew word for giant, Nephil. So the, uh, a, a group of Nephil is Nephilim. Okay, that's all it is. So the, the Nephilim, the giants, the hideous creatures came from that connection between the sons of God and the daughters of men. But the Bible says that Noah was perfect in his generation, where we get genealogy, where we get gene. All of this comes from the same core root words, meaning that Noah Noah, the, let's go back and look at this one other thing here because we're asking the question, is Noah perfect? It says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now, that doesn't just mean that he walked with God like, um, you know, you just take a walk with God. I want you to think about the words. The words are very powerful. The first perfect man that ever walked this earth was Adam. And the Bible said, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Mm. All right? So there was something significant in Old Testament Scripture about when God's Word said that someone walked with God. There was an intimacy level there and a glorified level there, if you will, that's outside of a religious experience. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the church. They didn't have, you know, especially in those days, they didn't have people to teach them the, 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 the scripts, the word, the, the scrolls. So here we have a man who the Bible said was perfect in his generation, and what he, was, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked with God. So what does that mean? That means that Noah's bloodline, Noah, let, me back, let me back up. Noah's blood, Noah's blood was untainted by the blood of what happened in the generations that came from the sons of God into the daughters of men. Now, how is that possible? Well, there's a lot of, there is a lot of um, speculation, a lot of teaching and Bible teaching about people saying things that like this, and I believe this that one of the reasons that all flesh had to die in the flood was that all flesh was tainted by this demonic union of two dimensions coming together. Well, you automatically say, well, if Noah's blood was not tainted and, and Noah's family outside of his sons, his wife, his sons, and his daughter-in-laws were only ones that was on the ship, the ark. Everybody else died. So your mind goes to, well, was his dad, was his dad's blood tainted? Was Methuselah, which was his grandfather, the longest, the oldest man to ever live, who died seven days before the waters lifted the ark up off the earth? Okay, was he tainted with the blood? Well, this is the gospel according to Larry. Put that in air quotes here. Gospel according to Larry here. I believe, just like in the mark of the beast. In, in when people talk about the mark of the beast, talk about 666 and all this, people are scared to death that they're going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. They're just, oh, God, don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Which, by the way, let me make it very clear. Ain't nobody going to put no chip in me, okay? I ain't taking no weird kind of tattoo, nothing like that. That ain't happening in Raglan House. But let me just tell you something. The mark on the right hand and the forehead is not what really seals the fate of those that take it. 
In fact, do you not believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that during the tribulation period that there will be people that deny it and that they will force some kind of mark on them, trying to intimidate them and to make them believe that, they, that they're doomed to hell? But watch this. Go back and read the Bible. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, every single time it mentions the mark of the beast, it also says, and they worshiped the image of the beast. So it's an allegiance. It's not The mark is not what seals the fate during that age of the tribulation period. It is the allegiance that you submit yourself to the beast, and then you take the mark as a symbol that you have submitted yourself to the beast. Okay, they go together. So it is of my opinion that not only were the sons of God, the, the fallen angels, messing with the human race, and messing up the genes and making messing up DNA and messing up the creation of God. They also were leading a system, the beast system, the, the, which would become the Babylonian system, which would become uh, Baal worship, which would become eventually the Antichrist. All of this is the same spirit, the same demonic spirit that came from Lucifer, that at some point somebody was tainted with allegiance. It, uh, most of them, their bloodline was um, tainted, but some of them were tainted because they made a decision to be allegiant. Now, I'm not condemning Noah's father and grandfather. I don't know. All I know is this. He was conceived from his mother and father in a rare situation that was around in those days and time where their blood was not tainted. I absolutely believe that Noah's blood was not tainted. And that's why he's called, he was perfect in his generation. He was perfect in his generation. So what I'm trying to say is, was Noah perfect? Not in the sense that you would think. Was Noah perfect in any way? Well, the Bible is clear. He was perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Let's finish this right here. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence, for God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. The bloodline was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. All flesh had corrupted their way on earth. They were either corrupted by the demonic bloodline of the Nephilim, or they were corrupt through the flesh, the sin of the flesh, making allegiance to the system of the Nephilim. Either way, for whatever reason, I don't claim to be an expert on this, God made a decision that they all must die. And the only one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord was Noah. Now, why is that important? That's important because that, to me, means that he, he represented his bloodline from that point forward a fresh start. That is why if you think about it, boy, I'm getting real deep here. I don't know if y'all can handle this, but um, if you're still with me, shout, I'm with you, preach on preacher. And if you hadn't smashed that like button, smash it now, smash it, smash it, smash it. We need uh, we, we, we more than double are watching that than the number that smashed that like button. Just go ahead and smash it. That helps us. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on uh, X, if you're watching on Rumble, uh, let us know. Show us some love. And by the way, tomorrow night, y'all, if you're watching this live, if you're watching the replay, it's, you'll go back and find it. But every Thursday is our Kingdom Intelligence Report. And I'm happy to say that we are having Mark Carell back with us. Pastor Mark Carell will be here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And ladies and gentlemen, he will be discussing and reacting to the World Economic Forum. He's got some inside information of some things that I did not even know about that is pertinent to what came out of WEF, the World Economic Forum, and end times, and even he's, he's going to give us an Israel update. So make sure you're there. Now, this is, many people have called this the Noah generation. I say at our church all the time, yeah, I get it, and I agree with that, but you can't have a Noah generation without a generation of Noahs. And I believe there is a remnant of Noah's, if you will, operating under the spirit and the mantle of Noah, not to say that you're perfect, not to say that your bloodline is not tainted with blah, 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 blah. I'm saying 
you've made a decision through repentance in the blood of Jesus Christ that you have had a spiritual blood transfusion and the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. That's, you know, that's what grace is, unmerited favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We as believers have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. Now we're in a generation where it's evil continually. Think just like what was in the days of Noah before he went on the flood is mirrored all around us time a thousand. But there is something being built. The body of Christ is being built and the door is still open and we're still building it. There are a generation of Noah's that are rising up. Now we're not perfect, but what God is saying is I'm looking for a generation who has renounced the system of the beast renounce the system of the devil and will not make its allegiance to that system. Hollywood, media, music, sports figures, all these people that have sold their soul to the devil. It's the same exact thing. Many of them, I don't want to get kicked off of this platform here, but some of them are drinking uh, bodily fluids. Let's just put it that way. They are there's vampires out there, y'all, you know, that's, that think they're really vampires. There's all kinds of hideous, demonic stuff that is happening in this world. And it is the same thing that was happening in the days of Noah before Noah entered the ark. But God said Noah was perfect in his generation. Now, I believe that we are living in a tainted generation. I believe it's worse than the days of Noah. I believe that, you know, how, some of you say, well, how could it be worse than having giants and hideous creatures walking around? Well, you know what? Some of the things that we, that we have allowed into our lives, some of the things that we've allowed into pulpits, it's worse than if we were to allow a giant to get up on the stage or a giant uh, to walk around and intimidate somebody in the community. We've allowed perversion on another level. We, we, I'm talking about in the church, y'all, in, in, the, in the civilized world. We have allowed teachers who used to teach math and science and history are now going into the profession for one reason, not to teach kids how to be successful in life and how to be good young men and good young women, but to pass their sexual identity on to them, to confuse as many as they can, to mess up their identity. It's the same spirit that was in the days of Noah. My God, I'm preaching. So I want to tell you that God said, I want to show you that there are two covenants that was made with Noah. There was a pre-flood covenant and there was a post-flood covenant. There was an old covenant and a new covenant. Oh, yeah. And let me just tell you, when he made that first covenant with him, uh, when he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that covenant was you get in the ark and the blessing, the commitment, the covenant that I make with you, you've been faithful to me. You've been faithful in your covenant towards me. Here's what that means from me to you. It doesn't say, by the way, let this sink in. Nowhere in scripture does it say that Noah's wife found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Never does it say Noah's sons found grace in the eyes of the Lord or his daughter-in-laws. It just says Noah. So, that's a promise that says there is, you know, people still got to be, they're still accountable for their own actions. They still got to repent for their own sins. You can't carry people into heaven. But there's a promise, a Noahic covenant promise, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that if you're found faithful, there's a certain level of grace that's applied to you that God said, I'm going to use you to cover and protect your children and your spouse against what's coming. They still have to stand before me. They still have to answer to me. But there's a special grace that they get to come with you. Not to heaven, but in protection, in a place of awakeness, in a place of being prepared to what's coming. 
Now, what was the what was the solution to the destruction of the demonically infused gene pool tainted by the fallen angels? It was a flood. Okay? It was a flood. So if the days of Noah, we got to parallel everything. If the days of Noah was the answer, <laughs> woo, I'm about to preach y'all because I know where I'm going and y'all don't know where I'm going. If the answer to the days of Noah was a flood and Jesus said, learn everything about Noah, study Noah because that's how it's going to be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. If the answer to the situation was a flood, and remember what he said in that second covenant, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, when they came off of the boat onto dry land and the rainbow happened, we'll get to that in just a second, he, he made a covenant and said, never again will I destroy humanity with a flood. But he never said, I'll never send another flood. The, so, <laughs> woo! the answer was a flood in the natural. But the answer, because we're battling a spiritual battle, the final battle, is also a flood. Hmm. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Why? 40 represents a generation. Oh. It rained judgment for a generation. Hmm. The generation of Noah experienced 40 days of rain. Many of them died before the end of the 40 days, but some of them found high ground during the 40 days before the fountains of the deep were opened up. Well, if the Noah generation saw a flood and rain, then the generation of Noah's has got to see rain. But remember, the Bible says this is how he teaches us. First the natural, then the spiritual. Does the Bible say anything about the generation of Noah's experiencing rain? Well, remember the final generation is what Jesus said is the days of Noah. Let's just see if the Bible answers that question. Uh, in the last days, here we go, Joel chapter 2. This is a prophetic utterance toward the last days. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause rain <clears throat> to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. That's key. The threshing floors will be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Who is his people? His people is the generation of Noah's. Mm. Let's go back up here for just a second. This is, this is absolutely talking about the last days. Read Joel chapter 2. He says, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. Do you know what the former rain means? It's the sowing rain. It's the rain that for the Jewish people, they knew exactly what this meant. When they sowed their seed into the ground, they did it in a time where they knew the former rain was coming to water the seed. And then he goes on to say, <clears throat> he will cause the rain to come down for you, for your seed, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Well, that, they knew that was unusual because the latter rain is the harvest rain. This was a rain that came at harvest time. One rain, the former rain came at the sowing and one rain called the latter rain came at the harvest. But God said, for one generation, I'm going to send both of them, the former and the latter, in one month. 
and the threshing floors shall be full of wheat. Why is that so powerful? Because the Bible says that when, you know, for, if you think because you learned in vacation Bible school and children's church that, that 40 days of rain, 40 days and nights of rain covered the highest mountain in the world, I'm sorry, y'all, you ain't thinking that one through. I mean, that's a lot of rain, but that ain't enough rain to cover Mount Everest. But watch this. The Bible says it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and the fountains of the deep opened up. The water that was under the earth opened up. And by the way, many people believe there's still more water under land and, and that we don't see than almost equivalent to what we do see. I know this. I know that there are topographical maps of the Middle East where there are trillions of metric tons of water that's beneath, that's not been released yet, that's going to be released in the end of the tribulation, into the tribulation period. But I digress. But what I'm trying to say is this: the whole earth was not covered by 40 days and 40 nights of rain. The 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 earth opened up and water came out. The firmament, remember, it had never rained before. Let's not forget that. Before Noah's reign, it had never rained before. That's what your Bible says. It, there was only a mist that came up from the earth. How does a mist come up from the earth? It's because there was so much water deep within the earth. So all the plants, the grass, the animals, the rivers, the, the oceans, all of this was being completely replenished from beneath. When he's preaching for over 100 years building an ark, nobody had ever heard of rain, nobody had ever seen rain, Ready for this? Including Noah. How would you like to preach for 100 years trying to get people to believe in something that's coming that's never happened before and you've never felt it, you've never seen it, you've never experienced it, all you got is a word that is coming. Okay? So the rain was just simply a manifestation of a spiritual principle that we would later on understand in the New Testament. And it was also a sign to the people when it started hitting their face. My God, he knew what he was talking about. But the firmament that was above the, above the, the sky held as much water as the earth beneath. So you can imagine the rain starts trickling and then there comes a moment seven days after the door closed, all of a sudden the fountains of the deep open up from the bottom. The firmament releases from the top and more water than we can even imagine hit this earth almost instantaneously. So when you look at Joel and you see Joel talking about the former and the latter rain combined together in the same month, sowing and reaping rapidly at the same time, you begin to see so much similarities of what Jesus was saying. Here's another scripture that I love when I'm talking about this. It says, Amos 4, 7, and also, watch this, withheld, I also withheld rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I made it rain on one city, and I withheld rain on another city. One part was rained on where it did not rain in the part withered. So why not throw that scripture up there? Because this rain that is the Noah generation, the generation of Noah, former and latter rain combined together in one month. That is the last outpouring of the Holy Ghost is targeted. He says he'll pour it out on all flesh. I understand that. But I'm telling you, it is the remnant. It is the generation of Noah's that will be able to identify what it really is. My God, is this good preaching. If this is good preaching, come on, let me know it's good preaching. And the best way you can do that to let me know it's good preaching is to smash that like button. Come on, smash it, smash it, smash it. If you're on Facebook, show some love. You're on Rumble, show some love. You're on X. I don't even know how you, what you do on X. I think it's a heart or something. Trying to get in this X thing. X marks the spot. Man, I feel this thing tonight. See, the harvest needs rain. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, the harvest is already plenteous. The labors are few. I need a generation of Noah's. Now, we know that Scripture, Jesus made it very, very clear, and he's made it clear throughout Scripture that he's a covenant God, and he's not a man that he should lie. He is a covenant God. Now, listen to me. 
We talk about the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Look at the stars. Look at the sand of the sea, the beaches. Can you count the grains of sand? Can you count the stars in heaven? No, you can't. Neither will you be able to count the descendants that shall become. And Israel shall never cease to be in a nation. Okay, we talk about that. We talk about, and rightfully so, the Old Covenant. We call it the Old Testament in modern days. But it's the Old Covenant. And that was the covenant with Moses and Israel. When Moses went up on the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments. And then he, God began to download the entire Levitical law, which was the Old Covenant. We talk about the new covenant. The book of Hebrews says there is no testament, which is the word covenant. There is no new covenant without the death, new testament without the death of the testator. So we know that when Jesus bowed his head on the cross and cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, and bowed his head and died, a new covenant was birthed. And Hebrews said it's a better covenant based on better promises. It's called the New Covenant. And by the way, no covenant that God has ever made, this is going to mess some of y'all up, no covenant that God has ever made has expired. It's still in place. You want to live in the Old Covenant. Okay, I liked you. I liked you until now. I got to go. I got to check out because, you know, you one of them still in the Old Covenant. I did not say that. I just said it wasn't canceled. Here's how I know it wasn't canceled. Jesus said, I came not to destroy or cancel the old covenant, the law, but rather to fulfill the law. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. So it's still in place. He just absorbed much of it himself in the way we understand, we use Old Testament teachings to teach us principles that point us to Jesus because Jesus fulfilled them. He didn't stop doing, he didn't say there's no need for a priest. He became the priest forever, forever after the order of Melchizedek. He didn't stop saying, bring a lamb to the altar. He became the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Come on, somebody. The temple didn't stop being a temple. He just made us the temple of the Holy Ghost. I could go on and on and on and on. So the old covenant you can't ball it up in a piece of paper and throw it away. Still there. Thou shalt not kill, still prevalent. Don't commit adultery. Still, still the law. Okay? The difference is we got grace, unmerited favor, that is between us and the law when we come the right way. Okay? And by the way, the Abrahamic covenant where God promised Abraham that Israel would never cease to exist is still in place. Thought I'd just say that. So none of the covenants have ever expired. Now, let's review Abrahamic covenant, old covenant, new covenant. But why does no one preach about the everlasting covenant of Noah? See, I think it's interesting that he didn't say as in the days of Moses, as in the days of King David, as in the days of Elijah, as in the days of Elisha, in the days of Isaiah. He said as in the days of Noah. Why? Because not just the conditions of Noah, there's more to it than just the conditions of the world at Noah's time. There was also some covenants that God made with Noah. See, when he referred to Noah as a sign of the end days, in the end of days, the end of time, he knew they would not only that the Hebrew people would not only remember the flood, but they would also remember the covenant. It was not just a rainbow that was a covenant to never destroy water by, to never destroy by water again. Let me show you something that's going to blow your mind that you don't hear preachers preach. There was a covenant made before the flood and a covenant made after the flood. Genesis chapter 6, we're still in that famous Genesis chapter 6. You shall make a window of the ark, describing the, the development of the ark plans. You shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in, the, in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. 
but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go in the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So there is a pre-flood covenant between God and Noah. And the promise of that covenant is this. I will establish my covenant with you, semicolon. You shall go in the ark, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives will be protected. So we, we can claim a certain level of favor on our lives as a generation of Noah's that is pre-judgment, pre-judgment. The flood represented judgment. Judgment begins with the house of the Lord. Mm. It's deep stuff. If you got it, shout, I got it. He spoke of a covenant even before he told them to get in the boat. Now, I'm not going to teach this because I taught it really extensively last week, but this covenant was also the covenant that was given to the church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation in the seven church stages. The final stage of the church is represented by the Laodicean church, which was the, when you compare the Laodicean church to the condition of the world in Genesis chapter six, they're one in the same. They are, they've cast off all restraint and they're running wild. But there is a remnant left of the Philadelphian church, which is the last godly church. And it says to that Philadelphian church, and you go back and study it. And by the way, let me just throw this up here. If you forgot about this, uh, you can go to thebookofrevelation.tv, thebookofrevelation.tv, and it will take you right to this website. And if you'll look, there is a verse-by-verse -verse teaching that I've done that has 22 parts. There's 22 parts, 22 videos where you can go verse by verse in the entire book of Revelation. And uh, the one I'm talking about right now is uh, part three. If you go to part three, it's called The Church That Makes Jesus Vomit. <laughs> How about that for a title? Uh, but you can go there, thebookofrevelation.tv. And, and I'll show you that in the Philadelphian church is the last godly church he says to that Philadelphian church, I, because you have been faithful, I will keep you from the hour of trial and temptation that shall come upon all the world. A global judgment. Just like the Noah was a flood was a global judgment, he says there's coming a global judgment that I'm going to preserve the remnant of the Philadelphian church from having to go through that. I believe with all my heart that that's the rapture. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I believe that right after he talks about the Laodicean church in chapter 3, he gets to chapter 4, which I did two videos on one verse uh, in chapter 4 in that teaching because that one verse says, now, come up here. Let me show you the things that's got to happen after this. I believe that that is the promise of the pre-flood covenant of Noah. And Jesus said, learn everything you can learn about Noah. That's going to be the, that's what we're going to operate under in the, in the final days here. Now, let's, let's hurry. Let's hurry right here because I got to get into this. We can't miss this. Genesis chapter 7, verse 17. <clears throat> it says, now the flood was on the earth for 40 days. Remember, 40 represents a generation. So the flood was on the earth for 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about the surface of the water. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts. Now watch this, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man. I believe beasts and every creeping thing is a combination of not only animals, but also the hideous hybrid Nephilim that were here. 
and every man. See, because man, by the way, people that just consider us to be mammals just like all the other animals, God always specifically labels man separate from the beast of the earth because man is not just a beast of the earth, okay? So the waters prevail. You still with me? Now, the ark was lifted up. Why is that such an important promise? Because the ark represents the church, and the people that's in the ark represents the remnant, those that are of the generation of Noah's and their families. And the ark was lifted up. What lifted up the ark? The chaos and the judgment lifted up the ark. What I'm trying to tell you is the world that's coming in 24 and beyond, ever how long the Lord tarries his return, will do one of two things to you. It will either drown you and take you out, or it will lift you higher. I remember hearing a long time ago, and I've said it a hundred times since then, that life is like a grinding stone. You remember those grinding stones? My, my granddaddy was a, a blacksmith. I remember as a kid watching him. He had he stick that uh, horseshoe in the fire, take it out and beat it on the anvil and stick it in the water and had rough edges. He had a a grinding stone out there that he just paddle with his foot. That thing would start turning, psh, and them sparks would fly. He'd shine that thing up, get those, those little burrs off. So life is a grinding stone. This constantly goes like this. Everybody, everybody faces the same grinding stone. It will either ground you to dust, or it will sharpen you and shine and make you into a sword. Same grinding stone. The difference is the material that you're made of. If you're a piece of sandstone and you hit that grinding stone, you're going to dust. But if you're a piece of iron that's still pliable, you can be shined and turned into something. See, the chaos that's coming, it's either going to take you out or it's going to lift you up. And the generations of Noah the generation of Noah's is going to be lifted up above the chaos. The waters from the heavens, the former and the latter rain combined together, is going to, quite frankly, flood out some people, separate the wheat from the chaff, and it's going to raise up and rise up the true remnants that are left. My God, y'all hear me? All right, I got one more final verse to show you, and it might be the most important verse of the whole night. Genesis chapter 9. So the floodwaters receded. And they had to stay on there a while. I only got time to preach the whole thing about how they figured out for taking the birds, sending the birds out, and the dove, and the, and the ravens, and all this. But here we are. The waters have receded. Verse 9, chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons. Notice that. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God blessed Noah and his sons. This is what I believe. At some point on that ark, when the chaos of the world was going on all around them, Noah had the opportunity to pour into his sons. The Bible said God blessed Noah and his sons. Now listen to the command. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Duplicate yourself. I need a generation of Noah's. I need Noah's begetting Noah's begetting Noah's begetting Noah's. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be for on every beast of the earth. In other words, everything will fear you. Always has because you had dominion. You've now taken your dominion back. Why is that important? Something had happened between the Garden of Eden and the flood of Noah that animals no longer feared man because man submitted its, his dominion to the beasts of the field and did hideous things with the beasts of the field. And the beasts of the field began to look at man as their equal instead of the one that had dominion over them. But it was a reset. Noah's Ark was a reset. 
And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and on all that moves on the earth, all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every morning, every morning thing that lives shall, every moving thing, excuse me, I knew that one right. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Ah! There it is. What? Why are you so excited? Well, I'll, get, I'll finish this up in just a second. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. For the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man, and from the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of that man. Whoever sheds a man's blood, by man's blood he shall shed. For the image of God he made man. For you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly the earth and multiply then God spoke to Noah and his sons with him saying, and as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. Every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the field with you of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the field, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, for perpetual generations. That means it shall never end. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth, and it shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which was between me and you and every living creature on the earth. The water shall never begin again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and it will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature on the earth that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. My God. Two things I want to say there. Number one, y'all just skipped right over it. Y'all didn't even see it. Y'all missed it. Here it is one more time. You want to be blessed by this covenant? Here's shouting ground. Uh, where's it at? There, give it. Okay. Every beast of the earth, every brother, blah, 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 blah. It says, I've given that for you to eat. Woo! Do you understand that before the flood, you couldn't eat meat? Noah got on that boat eating nothing but salad. Stay with me. I got two powerful things to tell you. I'm not, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's powerful. In the garden, all the way up to there, they ate, the Bible specifically said they ate of the herbs and the plants and the vegetables that the ground had produced. No one had ever ate a steak before. No one had ever had a hamburger before. No one had ever had uh, any kind of meat before. But when they came off the boat, God established part of his, part of his covenant, y'all. Woo! This is why I'm, I'm claiming the Noah covenant. Part of that covenant was you now get to eat meat. Isn't it interesting? I said earlier that I was going to tie the World Economic Forum into the story of Noah. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be before they went on the boat, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What is, what is one of the craziest things that you've ever heard coming out of the World Economic Forum and the elites and all of them, and that is one of the most harmful things you can do to the environment is eat meat. They're trying to replace meat with, with fake meat, uh, printed meat, impossible burgers, all this kind of stuff. They want, to eat, they want you to eat bugs instead of meat. They say when you eat meat, you are contributing to the destruction of the planet. So the same spirit, they're trying to take us all the way back, y'all, pre-flood. And I'm in the, the post-flood covenant, y'all. I'm going to eat a steak. Thought I'd throw that in there. 
the other thing that is so powerful, don't you dare check out, because this is the most important thing you've heard on this whole entire thing. Is it not interesting to you that a while back, and I don't even know how many decades ago it was, there was a decision made within the elites and within those that carry the narrative to take a symbol to represent what God calls an abomination in Scripture, what is an absolute opposition to the Creator, to the story of creation. And God made male and female, created He them, gave them their identity, designed them in a way that they the two shall become one flesh and they can replenish the earth. The command that was given to Noah and to his sons and his daughter-in-laws was, I'm going to make this covenant with you. I'm going to put this symbol in the air above the clouds called a rainbow. But what I need you to do is know who you are, know who I made you, and go out there and be who I've told you to be and replenish the earth. Well, two guys can't do that, two girls can't do that, so it needs a guy and a girl, which was designed by God. Isn't it interesting that the devil knows the Word of God better than all of us put together. The devil knows and has been reminding his little imps, don't forget what Jesus said. Jesus said the sign to the end generation to shake them up, to remind them that Jesus is coming, is going to be Noah. Let's not forget what all happened to us there and all of what we tried to do down there. But more than anything, what can we take from that to rob and devalue the story of Noah and hijack it for our own? And that was the rainbow. They took the rainbow and they've turned the rainbow into such, it's, they, they, they have taken such ownership on it. And the world, including the church, has so relinquished it. Watch this. I guarantee you, and I know some of y'all going to push back, bless God, I ain't nothing going to stop me. What's this? 95%, probably 99% of the people watching this right now, as much as you stand on knowing that the rainbow belongs to God and belongs to the Noah story and is a promise of a covenant that God made with Noah, you probably wouldn't fly a rainbow flag on your front porch. Even if you were flying it, to represent the Noahic covenant. You wouldn't fly. Why? Because you know what people will think you are promoting. That's how much they have hijacked the literal sign of the covenant that God made with Noah, the very man that he said, if you want to understand the times in which I'm coming back, study Noah. Do you get where I'm going? I'm telling you right now that Noah rainbow, the God's rainbow, belongs to God. And we've got to find a way to take it back because, and, it, and just look, while you're fighting for the rainbow, yeah, but don't just fight for the rainbow, fight for the rainbow as a Noah, not just as somebody that's, oh, give me that flag. No, you got to know what that flag represents. Or not flag, forget the flag. Because God never told us to have a flag with a rainbow on it. He don't need a flag with a rainbow on it. Every time it rains, he puts his own flag up there in the sky. Man can't replicate that. So they stole it and they tried to bring it out of the heavens and bring it down to the natural. God said, I don't need you to fly a rainbow flag. I need you to tell people what the rainbow represents. Not just that it represents that I'm never going to destroy the earth with a flood again. Tell them the rainbow represents my covenant that I made with Noah, the one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it's a, it's a sign. We got to look at it again the right way to remind us that the Noah covenant didn't expire. God has still found grace. Noah has still found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the generation of Noah's, has found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And what is the command 
what is our part of this covenant? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Boom. Thank you for that super chat. Thank you for that super chat, Lisa Marie. What a blessing. Woo. My goodness, I feel like dancing up in here. Come on. I ain't played this song in a long time. We the Noah generation. Yeah. Y'all didn't know I was a drummer. My goodness, I got I had more stuff in my notes, but I'm going to let it go at that point. If you've been blessed by tonight, let me know. If you watch it on Facebook, go over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching on Rumble, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're not already subscribed on Rumble, get over there, get over there. Don't forget tomorrow night, tomorrow night, excuse me, wrong slide. Tomorrow night is the Kingdom Intelligence Report. Pastor Mark Carell will be discussing uh, the World Economic Forum, Israel, and many, many other things and, of course, don't forget, every Monday night is the biggest show that we're doing right now. It's growing. People are being touched and changed and woke up all around the world. Uh, and thank you to our partners. Thank you so much for those that have joined on our website, LarryRegan.com, joined on YouTube. You guys are such a blessing. So we end tonight by asking the question once again, was Noah perfect? No, not in that sense. But... We have his story for many reasons, and one of the reasons was he kept his bloodline clean. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter whatever you've done, let me just tell you something. Jesus is bigger. His grace is bigger. So I'm just going to tell you right now, just go ahead and call out on Jesus. Let his grace come upon you just like it did Noah, and he can take all the tainted blood, all the tainted past. He wipes it clean. The Bible says, behold, all things are made new. You get a clean slate. You get clean spiritual DNA. You get a clean future. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, renounce the enemy, and make a decision to live for him. If you prayed that prayer, if you rededicated your life, if you felt something pulling on your spirit tonight to rededicate and get serious about God, if this message has touched you, will you do me a favor? Will you just simply comment down below? Let me know so I can pray for you and rejoice with you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I thank God for my big picture family. We're, we're making a difference, y'all. We say that. We say that in God, not that we're doing anything on our own. But God is using the big picture to touch people's lives. If you were able to be able to read some of the comments that are sent to me, it just it wrecks me. So thank you to all the kind comments that you always give us. It encourages us. Thank you to our partners. Thank you to the super chats, the super thanks. Man. It just blesses us. We don't do it for that reason, but it blesses us because we know you don't have to do that, and you do, and our partners and all that. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you the next time on The Big Picture. I want to remind you that no matter what you're watching on The Big Picture, you can know this for sure. We ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. God bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>